0: Customer service teams want to own the customer experience. That makes sense, but they may not always have the bandwidth, they may not have the time, and in some cases, they may not have the ability. Companies can avoid offshoring CX by making the team they have more productive and strategic. In this way, they can free up their people to do the work that matters while lowering the cost to serve. What you're about to hear is a discussion from Esker's virtual event, which happened in July of this year, and it's between Esker's global COO, Emmanuel Olivier, and business development manager, Nick Carpenter. They're going to discuss why customer service leaders are turning to automation for help to solve challenges they're facing today and what to do next. If you're interested in hearing more of this event, check out the show notes. I'm Scott Leahy, and this is Esker on Air.
1: All right, we're shifting gears uh, into our last 30 minute block. Uh, Joining me for this session is Emmanuel Olivier. Emmanuel is our Esker's worldwide chief operating officer and he leads Esker's operations, covering sales, marketing, uh, consulting, and also supervises Esker's finances, financial communications, and investor relations. Emmanuel is also kind of at at the helm of Esker when we first started our own internal CX initiative uh, as well. So great resource. Emmanuel joined Esker in 1999 as the CFO. Uh, he was promoted to his current role in 2003, and he has his MBA from the Schema Business School in Sofia, Interpolis. Interpolis? I'm not, I haven't brushed up my French. I'm sorry, Emmanuel. Um, and also holds a, a CPA uh, here in the U.S. as well. Emmanuel, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Nick. Very, uh, very happy to be with you all. From your perspective, Emmanuel, how are CX strategies impacting the bottom line? Why should businesses really care about this?
2: I think we all understand now how um, that's obvious, but you know it's it's better said than not than not said. Um, the uh, that's the relationship that you have with your customers that making your company successful. How you interact on a daily basis with your customers is going to make a difference in the hearts of your customers' people, Esco still believes that people do business with people. We're a technology company that believes in people. And we actually believe in the fact that technology can help people. Technology is not here to replace people. People is here to empower people and allow them to do a better job, to serve their customers better, and to get satisfaction from serving their customers better, to feel better about it. So at the end of the day, uh, we've always looked at, um, you know, customer touches, customer experience as um, the reality of how companies care for their customers. At the end of the day, I think I used the, the analogy of uh, you can have a great car with a great engine, but if your tires are no good, that, nothing's going to happen. There's no way that you can perform. And this is what, um, what you find in customer service and how you create a great customer experience. You do it on a day-to-day basis. You do it with sometimes, um, you know, things that seem like obvious, easy tasks, um, but at the end of the day, they truly make a difference. And this is what we're trying to improve with technology. It's all about, you know, how you serve your customers and it's people doing that uh, at, at the end of the day. So again, you want to empower them with a great tool, making them uh, feel good about the work they're doing and the impact. They're having on the business it's not just about um, you know being able to process orders better um, or to minimize touch points or this or that how you process your orders how you treat their customers at the moment where they're putting um, an order with you um, is influencing everything else because a, a business is a chain of events and uh, as you know you know the, the chain is only as good as the weakest link but when the uh, when the order is taken and delivered, then that has influence on, you know, how your customer is gonna pay you, when the, your customer is gonna pay you, which is impacting your finance uh, KPIs now, which is impacting your ability to invest in your business and in your people in the future, which in the end is going to determine the performance, the overall performance of, um, of your company and, you know, how you compete with your uh, competitors, how you gain market share, you know, and what happens for the whole uh, company in itself. So, yeah, she said the uh, I mean orders were the heartbeat of, of businesses. Definitely, this is where everything starts. And if you screw it at that point, nothing's going to go very well after that.
1: Yeah, thank you, Emmanuel. I think it's harder now than ever to actually. Execute on these strategies given some of the macro-level trends going on, and it's not just supply chain disruptions. Emmanuel, let me ask you: What are some of the macro trends you know that customer service teams are dealing with today that's making this more difficult than ever uh, to really execute on?
2: You know, I think from a from a macro perspective, I think there's fundamentally two simple things that are happening. One is getting more challenges challenging. Um, there's more going on, you know, more that we have to fight, more that, have to, that we have to deal with. There's the pandemic, there's the uh, inflation now, the shortage of people. But more importantly, in, in my opinion, it's more unpredictable because most of the things I just talked about, no one was there to tell you this is going to happen. We're going to have a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic, and the world would be practically shut down for a few months, so get prepared, you know, Mr. You know, company. Uh, and there's more than that. Um, I don't know if you recall, but before the pandemic, there was a ship that blocked the Suez Canal for a couple of weeks, one ship, and it disrupted supply chains worldwide for sometimes months. So I think, you know, we, we built a world, uh, we built our economies, Focusing on optimization, optimizing everything down to the smallest detail. It's almost like you know the, the uh, our economies are built like you would build a race car. You know everything's perfect and is providing um, optimal performance. Except it can only be driven on a perfect racetrack. Otherwise, you know if you go off-road with it it's not gonna do anything. And I think our world is becoming a little bit more like uh, uh, you driving an SUV off road, as opposed to a perfect race car on a perfect track. And so you have to be ready for that. And I'm not saying you should forget about optimization. I mean, obviously, we all want performance, uh, we all want productivity, and that's not my point. My point is, we have to factor in the risk of the unknown. Because as we've seen, There's a lot of unpredictable things that may happen that we cannot predict. We can try, but you know, we're not going to be able to predict what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. But what we can do is build organizations that can react to the unknown better than the competition. And again, you know, back to Eskid's perspective, you know, who can do that? Who can respond to something that is not expected? People. So you have to empower people with technology so that they will be able to respond better to things you don't expect and will happen anyway.
1: It's a great comment. The, your analogy of the uh, off-road vehicles uh, versus the sports car reminds me of like the supply chain resiliency topic that a lot of people are talking about, which is, we were always just in time. Um, now we're kind of shifting to just in case to be able mm-hmm. to have a little bit more flexibility whether that's increased inventory levels whether that's uh you know the ability to have people to easily respond to these types of things i think that is exactly what what you were getting at now let me ask you this i mean there's also the great resignation can we talk about that a little bit i mean you know people are are the heartbeat but it's getting harder and harder to find good people how is that impacting, you know, customer service teams' performance?
2: Well, I think it's impacting customer service teams if customer service is about entering or keying in orders in systems, because that's boring, you know. And, and uh, you know, the, the younger generation cannot understand why, you know, they should. And I'm gonna push it a bit, but not that much, you know. They don't understand why they should be uh, receiving faxes and keying that information into um an ugly system and i won't name names Uh, so so they don't get that they don't understand the meaning of it they don't understand why it should be done in the first place i mean they have the perception of okay it should all be automated anyway you know i'm when i order something on amazon that's not what i'm doing you know i'm I'm not doing that nobody's doing that it doesn't make sense i don't want to I don't want to spend my time at work doing something that doesn't make sense. I don't want to spend my time at work doing something that if I tell my friends what I'm doing, they will make fun of me. I don't want that. This is not, you know, the meaning that I want for my life. And so the great resignation, is about that, you know, people are looking for meaning, they're looking for doing something interesting and they're looking to contribute to a bigger goal. So yeah, if customer services changing orders in the system, they won't they won't like that. So again, you know, technology I think can help there by um, one, you know, getting rid of some of those tasks that are you know, of low value and not interesting uh, for, for people, but also providing them with a working environment with tools that they can be proud of. They can say, oh, you know what? I'm using a system that's using artificial intelligence to do this and do that. And before that, I was doing it manually. You know, we heard that before. And now, you know, it's being done for me. So now what do I have? I have time. And how do I use this time? I use it to, you know, name the topics. I'm using that time to contribute better to my organization, to serve my customers better. And maybe my customers are telling me, you know, it's a pleasure to do business with you. You know, I like, I like your company. I like the way that you're treating me. And that's um, something that you can, you can be proud of. So once again, I think, yeah, you're going to have resignation. You're going to have people quitting on you um, if, if the work they're doing is not something that they can be proud of.
1: Great insight, Emmanuel. Thank you. And I just want to throw a, a subtle plug to the audience. If if what Emmanuel is talking about here in terms of the Great Resignation and supply chain disruptions um, is speaking to you, I uh, want to encourage you to check out the Esker podcast. We had a great uh, podcast with a company called Skytron. They're an OEM distributor of medical device equipment, and their manufacturing hubs are in Japan. And they talked really about how the supply chain disruptions from seven-day transit now to 21 days. It's very inconsistent how that was really impacting uh, their business. Um, Really a great podcast. So if 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 this interests you, check that out uh, as well. Emmanuel, back to you. I wanna I wanna ask you a question around the digital landscape, right? A lot of companies have taken on uh, e-commerce type projects in order to give their customers self-service, some personalization, better visibility to where their order's at in in the fulfillment process. but it seems like adoption always caps out around 30 40%, especially for those customers that have a lot of different suppliers. They're not going to do this for every one of their suppliers. So let me ask you, what can companies do to complement their, their e-commerce initiatives?
2: I think, you know, one thing, uh, that's a good investment. You should do that. Um, but, you know, like every investment, it's not always about what you do, but how you do it and what is really being done. I mean, I heard uh, a conversation uh, earlier talking about how if you automate a BAT process, you have a very efficient BAT process, and that's not really the point. It's a little bit like that with uh, e-commerce initiatives as well. Sometimes it's like a layer around uh, BAT processes that, you know, in the end, you know, you um, uh, you end up, facing when you're actually trying to deliver the goods and services that 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 we're talking about so you know that window dressing sort of attitude with uh with e-commerce isn't going to work because it's going to show at some point so that would be my first comment uh make sure it's great to show very well it's better to actually perform well and so to do that It's not just the outside layer that needs uh, work, it's the whole process. So that's the second advice. You have to look at the whole process in detail. Sometimes, oftentimes, all the times, go talk to people who are actively involved in the process. Go talk to the people processing orders to understand the process. I I cannot tell you how many times um, in the past I've seen prospects or customers telling me, oh, you know, this process is automated, it's perfectly digital. Uh, it's working great for us. And then you go talk to the person uh, in the cubicle that's processing orders and they have like a, like a scanner, a printer, a God knows what, uh, to handle paper. And you're like, what's going on here? Yeah, oh yeah, you know, it's digital because they're keying the information into a computer system. Well, that's not a digital process. So look at your process objectively Go talk to the people who are actually doing the work. They know, they, they know what's going on better than anyone else. Um, and when you try to perform better, change your process if they need to be changed. Again, a very efficient, bad process is still a bad process. Uh, even if it's digital, it doesn't matter. So simplify. Um, talk to your uh, people. Talk to your customers. They'll give you great feedback about you know what they think and at the end of the day uh, what truly matters is what your customers think because these are the guys you know giving you orders giving you business and you know making your business a reality and your employees because these are the guys delivering what you need to deliver so talk to the people who really matter
1: your point of Hey, e-commerce is is here to stay. Do it, do it well. I mean, I think a lot of the companies that we end up working with are saying uh, it is a great tool. It's 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 something we need to have, but it doesn't do everything for us. And I think that's where we're seeing companies look at segmenting their customer base between how captive they are and how mm-hmm. strategically important they are, and and then trying to pair. Uh, a channel of business with them, at least an ordering channel with them that matches their experience. You know if they're captive and highly strategic, you know maybe it makes sense to invest in EDI. If they're you know not very captive, maybe that's where a platform like like esker can can come in and help mop up the rest of those orders. Give your customers an amazon like experience, right? yeah
2: don't don't focus too much on technology. and we're a technology company, so uh, you know, I think you know it means something that we're saying that. Uh, one thing that I, I think, you know, software companies in general, technology companies, are not necessarily very good at is being humble. Um, if, if you look at, um, you know, how companies organize, you know, through the eyes of an ERP company, for example, I'm not sure that you're seeing the reality. Uh, what you're seeing is their dream. Uh, but when you're in the business, what you're trying to do is improve your reality, and your reality is not what those guys are telling you. So anytime, you know, technology companies are saying, oh, I can, you know, make everything perfect for you if you use my technology. I solve all of your problems, no problem. Probably that's not true, but probably that, you know, that's something to consider, but that's not going to solve solve all of your problems. Once again, you know, I'm, I'm back to talking to, to combining people and technology. This is what really matters.
1: Great point, Emmanuel. But let me ask you for some parting thoughts here. A lot of uncertainty out there, uh, macro level, right? As folks go back to their day-to-day operations within their business, what would you leave them with in terms of, you know, what can they, what can they take away from, from this?
2: Um, you know, general thoughts. We talked about the fact that the um, world is getting more and more challenging and uncertain, as you mentioned, Um, and and that's difficult to manage uh, in general for businesses. So expect more uh, challenges uh, uh, in the future. But the great news is this is also a huge opportunity for your teams, your company to really make a difference. Um, you mentioned that I'm, I'm based in France and in July we have this great uh, race, cycling race, the Tour de France, you know, uh, which is always a great event uh, for us in July. You don't win the Tour de France on flat terrain. You win it in the mountains, when it's really hard, very difficult, and this is where you make a difference. So, look at the crisis, we don't know what's ahead of us. Um, when it gets difficult, this is where you can make a difference. and. Prepare for a much better future. So look at it this way: technology is there to help you. Um, ESCO certainly is there to help you uh, achieve that, and uh, you know, keep a positive attitude.
1: Amazing insight, Manuel. Thank you. I mean, it there's and there's a Gartner article that that backs this up, and it's titled "Winning in the Turns." You know, and it, yeah. it talks about uh, EBITDA performance of those that made changes in the recession. Uh, which is exactly what Emmanuel is talking about, about winning in the hills of the Tour de France. Emmanuel, thank you so much uh, for, for your insight, your
0: perspective. Again, if any listeners are interested in watching the entire virtual event this discussion is from, there is a link in the show notes. Uh, it features insight from Forrester analyst Kate Leggett, Uh, and firsthand experiences from Esker customer Fuchs Lubricant. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about Esker, you can find us at esker.com. Thanks for tuning in today, and we'll talk to you next time.